All right, we're going to take a moment in, in the scriptures here as we continue our series here, The King is Coming, and we're on our ninth uh, lesson uh, on this series, and so maybe you didn't know that, but uh, this is lesson number nine, and we're going to talk about the Battle of Armageddon uh, tonight, the Battle of Armageddon. And so as we know, as a as of review here, uh, the Lord Jesus will will come. There's nothing stopping him from coming in the rapture and taking us out of here. Uh, then begins, the, of course, the seven-year tribulation period, uh, three and a half years of peace, and then about three and a half years of, of really destruction and, and utter chaos. Uh, the Lord will unleash his seven seals at the end of the uh, tribulation period. That seventh seal will be open and be devastating. Uh, hail will be coming from the sky, 100 pounds in weight. Um, you know, the earth, earthquake will be extremely great, and, and, and on and on, things that will occur. And then we will have... The great battle of Armageddon will occur. And so God will come for us, and then he'll come with us. And we're going to be with him as we battle with him in that great battle of Armageddon. And so in our last message we discussed in Revelation chapter 19, it pictures the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ on that white horse. Uh, we talked about that white horse that he will be on. The vivid description is given of our Savior as he comes in, in great power and, and great glory and, and all in white raiment. We will be with him. And so we are his army and we'll be riding those horses and, and clothed in that fine linen that's white and, and so clean. The purpose of the coming of Christ is given to us in Revelation chapter 19 and verse number 15. And out of his mouth with a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. So Christ is coming to make war. That is what he's, he's going to be doing. To smite the nations with a sword, and to rule with a rod of iron. That is what he comes to do. No more baby in the manger, amen? No more innocent little Jesus and... And uh, no, he's coming in great power and in great glory. Uh, he's going to tread the winepress of fierceness and wrath of the Almighty God. And we talked about that winepress. That is a, a picture of, of someone treading on some grapes. And, and you know, they did, they, they did that. They produced the wine. Uh, of course, it would, they would tread on that thing with their bare feet. And it goes down and, and collects in a different area. And it, it is extremely, obviously... Um, effective in doing so when you're squishing all those grapes and, and the picture of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, doing that uh, with the wine press of, of his mighty nest. And so this battle of Armageddon, so what is it? What we find in Revelation 19 and verse number 19 is a battle between the Antichrist and the kings of the earth and the armies that he will assemble, the, the Antichrist, to come against the Lord Jesus Christ. And even when you think of that, it's almost like, what in the world are you thinking? I mean, who would say, I'm going to go battle against Jesus? But they will. They're going to assemble great armies to come against him. At the close of this tribulation period, the Antichrist and the false prophet and the armies of the earth will besiege the Jewish remnant in Jerusalem. And so the coming of Christ is going to alarm the world, of course, as he sets down on the Mount of, of Olives and... Uh, and then we'll see, uh, uh, they'll fall back into Armageddon, into this area called uh, Megiddo. And so the battle of Armageddon will be really the last 
a war, if you will. It will be the last great battle and, and last uh, war. So as we know in Daniel's 70th week, if you've understood that terminology, if you've ever read that, uh, it's called the Battle of Armageddon, or, or, or the 70th week will conclude with the Battle of Armageddon. That is the uh, tribulation period, or seven days. This is not one battle, but it's really going to be a bunch of battles in one huge place over a wide territory that's going to involve all these events. And so following all the major prophecies that are described here, I want you to look at it in Revelation chapter number 14. Uh, Revelation 14, we'll kind of look a little bit about the prophecy in regards to uh, this, this battle. Revelation 14, notice verse number 18. And another angel came out from the altar, which had the power over fire, and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully Right. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city and blood came out of the winepress, even unto the horse bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. So if anyone's seen a sickle, that's a pretty amazing uh, device. Uh, of course, they use that for Harvesting wheat is the uh, kind of a hook-shaped device there, extremely sharp, and they use that for harvesting and things like that. But that's what that's referring to uh, there. And then it talks about the space of 1,600 furlongs. That's about 175 miles. And so we're talking about that's the length of the, where the battle is going to take place. Basically, the length of Israel is, 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 is the, where that battle is going to uh, be taking place. And so um, the armies will come from all over the world, particularly from the west and from the north. And the Antichrist armies there are from the east. And we find that in Revelation chapter 16, verse number 12 through 14. We can look at that. Revelation 16, 12 through 14. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up. That uh, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs from out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. They are the spirits of the devils, working miracles which go forth into the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of, all God, of, 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 day of God Almighty. And so that's describing this battle that's going to take place. And uh, some estimated there to be about 200 million men that will be assembled in that particular area. So can you just imagine that many people going to battle? It's going to be huge, uh, a thing that's going to take place. And so we have the Battle of Armageddon on the mountain of Megiddo. It refers to the Valley of, of Jezreel there. And so what is this battle? We're learning about this battle and how fierce and how, and how 
really is going to be an amazing thing to behold. If, if we're saved here uh, tonight, you're going to be there. Amen. We'll be there during that battle as the Lord Jesus Christ uh, comes with that sword in his mouth. And you and I will be there as witnesses, basically, to see him take vengeance on those who uh, know not God and those who mock him and those who are wicked. So we find it's a foolish thing to try to fight against uh, heaven itself. Amen. It really is. It's a foolish thing to fight against the mighty God that we serve. So when will this battle be fought? Well, like I said before, it's going to be close to the end of the tribulation period uh, that this battle will take place. I want you to look at Joel. I know that might be more difficult to find, but the book of Joel, chapter number three, we can look at some of the prophecy concerning uh, this event that's going to take place. It's one of your minor prophets there. Go to the middle and then go to your right. So this battle here is referred to in a number of Old Testament passages. Look at Joel chapter number 3. We'll be looking at Isaiah here shortly. We'll just be going back there to your left. You found Joel chapter 3, say amen. Need more time? Say hold on. All right, everybody found it. Amen. Joel chapter number 3, looking at verse number 9. Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords. Once again, we've read this earlier in our, in our study. And your uh, pruning hooks into spears. So those things that we would use for, for agricultural uh, reasons or for gardening, we're now going to make them into weapons. Let the weak say, I am strong. Assemble yourselves and come, all ye heathen, and gather yourselves together round about thither, because thy mighty ones to come down, O Lord. Let the heathen be wakened and come up to the uh, valley of Jehoshaphat, for there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. That's what he's going to do when he comes back, is to judge and to make war on them. Put ye in the sickle, once again, that device used for harvesting, for the harvest is ripe, a different harvest now. Come, get you down, for the press is full, the fats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. So we understand this day of the Lord is that great day of the battle. So when you see that phrase in scripture, that's what it's referring to this day, this battle of Armageddon. Isaiah 63, please. Isaiah and 62, actually. Let's go to 62. Just go back. You'll find Isaiah. 62. I was going to look several verses. We're looking at the prophecy now, um, the prediction that this would occur, this great battle, this end-time prophecy would occur. Of course, written thousands of years before it would actually even occur, of course. And so Isaiah 62, verse number 4. Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken, neither shall thy land any more 
be termed desolate, but thou shalt be called, uh, <laughs> I've lost that word now, and thy land Beulah, for the Lord delighteth in thee, and thy land shall be merry. That's what he says there. There should be, there's going to marriage that's going to take place uh, on the Lord in that day. What a wonderful thing that's going to be. Uh, for as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. And as the bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. One day there's going to be that marriage that's going to take place. Well, Jesus Christ and his bride, the church, are going to come together in complete unity one more time. That's the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen. One day we're going to get to be together in unity and, and we get to be married. Right now we're in the betrothal process. Amen. We're just engaged to Jesus. But, but one day that complete marriage is going to take place. We'll have a complete a unity there and union with the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 7. And give him no rest till he establish until he make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Isn't that interesting? Uh, Jerusalem will be a praise in the earth one day. You know, today, Jerusalem, they're all trying to fight and get Jerusalem and kill Jerusalem. But the Bible tells us one day there will be a praise in Jerusalem. All that's going to be made right. God's going to make all this right. What a wonderful thing that is. Go to the next chapter, 63. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Basra, this that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. So Christ is coming in his glory and power, not saving us from our sins anymore, right? But saving Israel from her enemies. Verse 4, for the day of vengeance, that's that, that word again, the day of vengeance is in my heart. And the year of my redeemed is come. His day of vengeance, his wrath. It's not about grace anymore, anymore. It's not about grace anymore. It's all about his wrath in the future. That's going to take place. And so uh, in Revelation 19, we find we've read that passage of scripture earlier in our study. Uh, he destroys the, uh, the Antichrist with the word. But we find here in, in Isaiah, we keep reading here in in, in, in uh, chapter 63, it's more of a personal destruction. It's a little more bloody uh, than uh, what we see uh, before. And so one day God is going to do that. Is Israel will be uh, in peace one day. So the battle of Armageddon is also a further fulfillment of the promise which God gave us. You remember back in uh, Genesis chapter number 3? When he said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, he said, and thou shalt bruise his heel. You see, when you bruise someone's head, that can be a death blow. And one day Satan's going to get that death blow, the, the bruise to the head. That was promised a long time ago in the book of Genesis that he would get that death blow uh, to his head. We will, he will be destroyed one day. Someone has said that the great purpose of the battle of Armageddon will be an attempt to annihilate the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it won't be the first time that they try. <laughs> They've been trying for a very long time. Uh, in Scripture, we find uh, Herod, of course, we know, he killed all the children up to two years of age in an effort to kill the Lord Jesus Christ. 
The second attempt was made by Satan when he took Christ to that pinnacle of the temple and he told himself, told him to throw himself down. We read about that uh, two Sundays ago, right? That was him trying to get him to commit suicide, right? Um, and so that, that was an effort that was made by, by Satan. The third effort was made through the Pharisees who tried to stone Christ to death. And actually, as we'll read Sunday, they tried to, the, the Jews tried to kill him by, by, by throwing him off a cliff. Man, in Luke chapter 4, uh, right after he speaks in the synagogue, they lead him to the, uh, the cliff because they didn't like what he had to say. They're getting ready to push him off that cliff. Amen. And so it was many uh, attempts at, at the Lord Jesus Christ's life. The fourth attempt was made by having Christ condemned by the Sanhedrin and crucified on the cross. They said they're going to kill him. Amen. Satan said, I got you now. I got you now. But he, he rose from that grave. Amen. He rose from that grave. The final attempt is the battle of Armageddon. And again, we know what? Satan's going to fail. He is going to fail again. So we know this is a repeated uh, thing that Satan tries to do to try to destroy the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to know this is the doom of the beast and the false prophet. Uh, Revelation 19, one more time, Revelation 19. By the way, when you get home, just read all of Revelation 19. It should fire you up and get you excited, amen. Uh, Revelation 19 so good. I wish we had time to read the entire thing, but you read it when you get home. Great, great passage of scripture. You find the revelation of Christ in this chapter. This is what it's all about. You want to know what it's all about, this whole book of Revelation? Chapter 19, you need to read it and understand it and understand what the revelation of Christ is all about. Revelation 19, verse number 20. Revelation 19, verse number 20. Read it with me if you can. Ready, begin. And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them had had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped him his image these both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone so we see the doom of the beast and the doom of the false prophet who's the beast good who's the false prophet thank you <laughs> good job good job so when Christ comes back, we're going to see this. We're going to see the doom of both of these characters that we find here in Scripture. So notice that these both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. That shows us that they have a bodily form. That's what it shows you. They're not some kind of ghost or spirit. No, they're, they're in bodily form because um, they were cast alive into the lake of fire. There's an existence in a body. The Lord spoke of himself after his resurrection. In this way, he said, I am alive forevermore. Revelation 1.18. The saints uh, who will reign with Christ are identified in this way as well. They lived and reigned with Christ in Revelation 20 and verse 4. It's interesting to note that these two cast alive into hell went there before Satan himself before Satan himself. The doom of the devil is given to us in Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 10. Revelation 20 and verse number 10. 
Once again, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Satan joins them. Amen. <laughs> he joins them shortly there after. So we do have a solemn re reflection as you think of that, as we read that verse. Because those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ will also go to this place. And we should be, nothing really, there's nothing really funny about it. I mean, I'm glad the devil's going there. But thinking of our loved ones and our friends and those that we could reach are going to go to this place as well eventually. And really, we should have a reflection about that. They're tormented their day and night forever and ever. And after a thousand years, there is no let up. That's when Satan goes and gets cast. When they're already being tormented day in and day, day after day after day after day. Think about that. When men persist in sin, despise the mercies of God and follow in the steps of Satan, there is nothing left for God to do but to cast them into hell. It's nothing else. I want you to notice the sad supper. So we have the marriage supper of the Lamb, and there will be a sad supper as well in Revelation 19, please. Verse 17. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together into the supper of the great God. There's another supper that's going to take place. And this is going to be the supper of the birds. Supper of the birds. Notice verse number 21. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. With their flesh. So in Revelation 19, we see where there's a glad supper. This was the marriage supper of the Lamb. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His wife hath made herself ready. That's us, the church. Revelation 19:7. Blessed are they which are called into the marriage supper of the Lamb, the Bible says. You and I get to be there, amen? The marriage. But here we have mentioned another supper. The invitation is extended by the angel to the birds that fly in the midst of heaven for their supper, that ye may eat the flesh, verse 18, of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. The word flesh is mentioned five times. The people of the earth who chose to walk after their flesh spiritually must now have their flesh devoured literally because they choose to reject the Lord Jesus Christ. They choose to live for themselves. They, they choose to not accept the Savior. This is not a beautiful picture. 
but we must understand it is one that will be fulfilled by the very letter. Right? This is God's word. He says it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It will be fulfilled. That should give a sense of urgency to you and to me. Because at the battle of Armageddon, there will be millions of those birds who will come and eat away the flesh of the dead. No doubt there will be vultures who will descend upon bodies and get a hold and tear off as much as they can. You know why? Because the land must be cleared, because the Lord Jesus Christ must rule and reign. So we've got to get rid of all this stuff. This is his now, amen. He's going to rule, and we're going to rule with him in this world. And so it's all got to be cleared off. So what supper will we be at, amen? Hopefully we'll be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Those are here who are faithful on a Thursday night. We know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, but, but sadly there will be those out there who will be going to the, the feast of the birds, the supper of the flesh-eating birds. But God granted us a choice, didn't he? Free will to be able to receive him or to reject him. Reject him and the birds of the air will pluck out our eyes and eat our flesh of, of, of the dead bodies. It sounds really gross, but that's just... That's just the scripture I just read to you. So it's so important that we trust Christ and, and be at the marriage supper of the Lamb and not at the feast of the birds. Amen. This is the battle of Armageddon that will take place in like 25 minutes. I gave it to you. Amen. And so next time we're together, we're going to talk, talk about the devil and, and how he will be chained. And we'll talk about that next time we're together. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for all that you have done for us as a church, as a community, as a nation. We're thankful for your son who's died on the cross for our sins. I'm so thankful that I trust you. I'm thankful that I'm on my way to heaven. And um, help me to be able to share the good news to others. Help us to be faithful, living righteous in light of your return knowing that any day you could pluck us out of here and we'd already be with you in the sky, meeting with you and, and living forever more with you. But those who would be left behind that do not know you, help us to reach those that we can that are under our influence. In Jesus' name, amen.